Pastor Chris's podcast. So today is Halloween, the last Sunday, the last day in October. And so for Halloween, I thought that it would be fun to share some ghost stories from the Bible. Be a fitting thing to do today. Halloween is the abbreviated word for what was originally um, several centuries ago um, when people talked funny like King James and Shakespeare. It was All Hallows' Eve. Hallows were the saints. That's the people that you hallow. And so Halloween is the night before All Hallows, what we call today All Saints' Day. Therefore, tomorrow is the first day in November. It is All Saints' Day. And next Sunday, one week from today, we will celebrate Homecoming and All Saints' Sunday first Sunday in November. So I hope you'll come. We'll have a good time, a good remembrance, a good celebration and fun. But All Saints Day is the day Christians remember and celebrate the lives of the saints who have died and gone to be with the Lord. And since Methodists believe, as most Protestants, that all Christians are believers and saints, the saints includes those people that your friends, your relatives, your loved ones that have died in the Lord and gone to be with the Lord. So we, we say, we use the word died because it is the customary word that people use to describe what happens when the earthly body stops living, when the heart stops beating. However, Christians do not believe that people really die when our heart stops beating. We believe Christians have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Therefore, we believe that when the body dies, the spirit leaves the body and goes to be with Jesus. As 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8 says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. All the saints, those Christians who, whose earthly body has died, are now with Jesus cheering us on as we live this life. That's what Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 teaches us. And one day we know that Jesus will come again to judge the living and the dead and to give us all a new perfect body. We will not be spirits or ghosts. We will be real people with a physical body, only it will be perfect without sickness or suffering or death. It will be an eternally living body just like Jesus had. We will be like the resurrected Jesus. So we say that Jesus is the first fruit of the resurrection. That means that, you know, when you're a gardener and you're in, in the coming into springtime and, and you get that first tomato that pops up on your tomato vine, that's the first one. But you know that's not the only one. You know if you've done your job right, more is coming. But that first fruit is there, and it's just like all of the other fruits will be. And Jesus is the first fruit of the resurrection. And so we can look at Jesus and see what he was like and understand that we will be like him when we experience resurrection as well. I want you to listen to this story about the resurrected Jesus and his physical body. After Jesus had died on the cross, he rose from the grave and he appeared to his disciples in a physical body. This story is from Luke chapter 24, verse 36 through 40. 
And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you so frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost. Because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. So we see in this passage that the resurrected Jesus was not some disembodied spirit that was floating around. He was a real man with a real body and he was resurrected. He was alive. They could touch him. He could walk. He could even eat. In verse 42 through 43, it says they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he ate it as they watched. And you know, as someone who really likes to eat, I am so glad to hear that because I know that one day in eternity, I'm going to get to enjoy the heavenly banquet and the feast that uh, is promised there. And I will enjoy that indeed. Aren't you glad to know that we will not be ghosts in eternal life? We will be living people with a perfect body. Think about that, a perfect body. More perfect than it is right now. You will be able to experience things and hear things and see things and feel things that you just cannot experience in this life because your body is limited and corrupted by sin in the fallen world that we live in. But one day God is going to perfect us and we will know each other and be known and we will live in a special, perfect way that we haven't been able to experience in this life. We are incredibly blessed indeed that by what Jesus did for us, On the cross, his death and resurrection changed everything. He truly defeated death. For we, all who put our faith in Jesus Christ, have eternal life. We are incredibly blessed. Because of his death and resurrection, we can have eternal life. And we can know this directly from God. God speaks his unchanging truth to us in his holy Bible. Not only that, but God also came to us personally in the flesh as Jesus Christ to live on the earth and to teach the way to life. Jesus left the glory of heaven and came to earth to call everyone to repentance and to salvation. Everything we need to know about God and how to be saved is written in the scriptures. But if that wasn't enough... Jesus even died and came back to life and showed himself to his disciples to prove that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one can come to the Father except through him. But a long, long time ago, in ancient times, people tried to hear the voice of God through witchcraft and sorcery. They used black magic to try to conjure up the dead. They were so desperate to hear a word from God. They felt that separation and they were looking for a way to connect. And one of the ways that they tried to do it was through these dark arts. They used black magic and, 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 and tried to conjure up the dead. And God told his people, don't do that. 
He said, do not defile yourself by turning to mediums or those who consult spirits of the dead. I am the Lord your God. He said that in Leviticus 19, 31. You see, God didn't want people to try to rely on witchcraft and frauds who take money, put on a spooky show, and pretend to hear ghosts. God didn't want people to rely on something as unreliable and as deceptive and as dark as that. Because think about it. Even if you could conjure up the dead and speak to those who are on the other side, how would you know if you could trust them? How would you know if it was a spirit that really cared about you? How would you know it wasn't some demon that was trying to mislead you? How would you know if you could trust? And so God said, I am the Lord. And so throughout the Old Testament, we see how God developed a system. He chose a people that he said would be his royal priest. They would tell the whole world what God was like. And within the holy priesthood of Israel, he set up prophets and priests who would speak on behalf of God. They were the ones God had authorized to speak for him. And God spoke to his people directly through these priests and prophets. And in the Bible, we see that if ever the priests or the prophets were unfaithful, they were punished severely by God. It was important that these priests and prophets would be reliable. They wouldn't speak uh, what people wanted to hear because they'd been paid a certain amount of money. No, they had to speak the truth or else they would suffer the consequences from God. But then sometimes people still would go back to those dark arts and look to try to hear something about what they should do. We see one story like that in 1 Samuel chapter 28. It's a great story. The whole chapter is a great chapter, but I'm going to shorten it for the sake of time today and just read verses 5 through 7. In 1 Samuel chapter 28, King Saul broke God's command and consulted a medium to conjure up the ghosts of Samuel. Because Saul was desperate. Saul was desperate because God had rejected him. Because of Saul's disobedience, not once, not twice, not three times, but many times, God finally said to Saul, through the prophet Samuel, while Samuel was living, he said, I am going to rip this kingdom out of your hand and give it to your rival Saul, I mean to your rival David. So in 1 Samuel 28, verses 5 through 7, it says, When Saul saw the vast Philistine army, he became frantic with fear. He asked the Lord what he should do, but the Lord refused to answer him, either by dreams or by sacred lots or by the prophets. Saul then said to his advisors, Find a woman who is a medium so I can go and ask her what to do. So God played along with Saul. You know, there's no conjurer out there who has the power to rip somebody out of the eternity and bring them and force them to come back to life. Only God can do that. But in order to make a point, God played along and allowed Samuel's ghost to speak to Saul. And the ghost said, the Lord has done just as he said he would. He has torn the kingdom from you and given it to your rival, David. 
God had already told Saul when Samuel was still alive that this was going to happen. God had already spoke, but Saul didn't like the message. Isn't that just like people? Have you ever been like that? When you hear the truth and you don't like it, you go ask somebody else who might tell you something differently, something that you like the sound of better. Well, I'm here to tell you today, you don't have to consult a ghost to tell you what you need to know. God has already told you everything that you need for your salvation in the Bible. And if there's anything else that you need to know that you, that you don't know, God also gives you His Holy Spirit to come and live inside you when you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord. And that Holy Spirit is right there living inside you to advise you and to teach you how to live. But it requires that you put your faith in Christ. It requires that you follow Him as your Lord and give Him your full allegiance. Jesus told a parable to teach that everything we need to know about God and the way to eternal life is written in the Bible. And yet, many people still do not listen. And so he told this parable in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 26. Jesus said, There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen, who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted, and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted, and you are in anguish. And besides, there's a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over from you to here, and no one can cross over from us to you. And so we see in this description of the afterlife that Jesus gave, those who are faithful find grace, forgiveness, and salvation in Jesus Christ and are rewarded with peace and comfort in the presence of God. These are the saints we remember and we celebrate on All Saints Day. Those who reject God in this life suffer eternal torment and separation from God. And there is a great chasm in the afterlife that cannot be traversed, that separates the faithful from the unfaithful. And the story goes on in Luke 16, verses 27 through 31. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. 
For I have five brothers, and I want to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have already warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. Let me make a comment here. Here we see a truth. Everything we need to know to find eternal life with God in heaven is already written in the Bible. When he says it is written, or when he says Moses and the prophets have warned them, what is Moses and the prophets? Moses is the first five books of the Old Testament, and the prophets are the other books of the Old Testament. So if you only read the Old Testament, you already are reading and studying what God has already written to warn people and to tell them what they need to know for salvation. Are you reading and studying this book? Are you listening and living according to what it says? But going on, the rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. Don't we know somebody who rose from the dead? Jesus Christ. If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. And yet, God in His patience, God in His abundant mercy, just encased as an extra measure of grace, God did indeed send someone back from the dead in order to make sure we get the message. And was it, what is it that Jesus said? What was his message? Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, repent of your sin and be forgiven. And he said, unless you repent, you will perish. And he said, follow me and be my disciple. And he also said, go and make disciples of all nations. And throughout the New Testament, we can read his specific instructions and lessons that he gave. But in the parable, the dead rich man was concerned for his five living brothers. He didn't want them to come to this place where he was. He wanted them to be saved. What about you? Who do you have in your life that you want to be saved? You better talk to them about Jesus now while you still can. As we come to the closing of the message today, what is it that you need to do? Do you need to hear Jesus' message while you are still living? And say, where he says, repent of your sins and return to God? Is that his message to you? Then I would encourage you, do not delay. You don't know how much time you have. You better get your heart right with God. Because you don't want to find yourself like the rich man in torment. 
Do you need to make a commitment to actually read God's Word and to study it, to meditate on it, to be more faithful? You see, if you want to hear God speaking to you, if you want to know what you should do and how you should live, it's all written here. You don't need to consult a ghost from the past. You don't need to seek a fortune teller to tell you what will happen in the future. You need to read, and you need to listen, and you need to obey what God tells you in His Holy Scripture. And I want you to know also that the saints in glory are cheering you on in this. They are there rooting for you. You think it's a wonderful thing to watch the Braves on television and to root for them and to hope that they win. Don't you know that the saints are in glory doing that for you now? Mistakes are so much more important. They want you to succeed. But you must decide how you will live your life today. Only you can choose. God gives us that freedom. He will not force you. So, make your choice. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord.